if you would, um, and you're not still open there, if you want to turn to Colossians chapter 3. We'll begin there this morning, Colossians chapter 3. I have a few opening thoughts from this text before we actually begin specifically talking about what it is I plan to talk about. Uh, I plan to talk about the concept of bearing with one another that's presented here in this text, uh, specifically in verse 13 of Colossians chapter 3. It mentions bearing with one another. But also another text you might have in mind that specifically mentions this concept and uses that same word as in Galatians chapter 6, um, verses 1 and 2, it mentions this concept. Um, the reason I want to talk about this is because, one, I mean, when do we not need to learn how to bear with one another? Because as we've all spent years living life, we've come to realize not everybody's the exact same as I am. Um, not even my family, right? The people we might expect to be the closest to us. Not even my best friend is the exact same as me. And there's instances where I have to bear with them because of our differences. Uh, there's instances where no doubt they're bearing with me because of some frustration or some difference that we have. Um, and so this is a thing that I think we all relate to because we've all had moments of, I just need to be patient with this person. I just need to deal with this person, right? And sometimes we don't do such a good job with that. Sometimes we let our frustration or our differences kind of boil over and we mistreat one another or we uh, don't think about someone the way we should think about them or we say mean things about them when we shouldn't say mean things. You know, it manifests itself in all kinds of ways. So on that level, sure, we need to talk about this. But I think specifically, too, here for this group, um, I, I thought it might be a good time to talk about this because I think we're kind of getting past what I'm, I've been thinking of as the honeymoon stage. Um, you know, we've been meeting since March, and I think there's been a lot of growing and learning each other kind of through this process, but I think we're getting to a point now where we're, we're really getting to know each other past just kind of the formalities. Um, and maybe we're starting to rub elbows a little bit with the ways we think about things or the ways we want to say something, or maybe even just simply just life differences, thought differences. And so I thought this might be a good time to go ahead and like get us all kind of thinking on these terms about this concept. Um, so with that said, Colossians chapter 3, as James read for us, begins by uh, with a proposition. If then, in verse 1, you have been raised with Christ. So an assumption is being made through this text that you've begun a new life in Jesus. We might term that, this text is for Christians, we might say it that way. People who've put on Christ and are trying to live that way, this text is for you. This text has been proposed for those people. And so he goes on to say, seek the things that are above. And I appreciate James' prayer saying, that's exactly what we need to do, right? We're all seeking things above, not here. And as we read this text, and if you're going to go through all of this, um, Jesus is relaying through Paul, God's relaying through Paul, exactly how that works. And in that, he reveals some concepts and some understandings we need to have. And ultimately, he boils it down into very specific points of application, i.e. verse 13, bear with one another. 
But through that text, we see a couple things that I just want to note that I think are going to be helpful for us as we move forward in this lesson. Verses 1 and 2, I summed up as the new person God creates us to be has to seek things above. Just pointed that out. Verses 3 and 4 is kind of the why. Because God has created us to be like Jesus. And that's what Jesus did. He didn't seek out the things of the earth when he spent time here. He continued to seek the things that God would have him seek, even while he was here. Um, And so that's why we got to do it. Because we've been, as verse 1 proposes, raised with Christ. We seek the things above. Um, All right, so if we're seeking the things above because that's who Christ was and that's who we're trying to be like, it really establishes a need for what follows after that. It only makes sense then we ask, well, how do I do that? How do I practically seek things above? And that's really what he spends the next several verses expounding upon. Verse 5, he says, you need to put to death these things. And he goes through a list of really practical things that we need to put to death. Now, he doesn't say so specific in that, you know, he doesn't say, well, you can't watch the Channel 12 show. And you can't listen to X and X and Z artists, right? But he says, put to death, and then he gives some practical categories, right? Things that we obviously shouldn't be doing if we're to be like Jesus, i.e. sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. And he goes on, right? So these are the things that we're to put away. Well, in verse 12, put on then. And he begins a discussion of things that, now that we've removed this other stuff, we replace it with some better things, some good things. And so we get to verse 13 where it says, or actually I'll begin in verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. So, beginning this, in verse 12, it seems that those who have been recreated, or as it said in verse 1, raised with Christ, you're going to be filled with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, and then ultimately, if you move to verse 14, as we talked about even in our Bible class, that kind of is summed up in love, right? Verse 14 reads... And above all these, very similar to the reading about the commandments of loving the Lord, above these others, or foundationally, you put on love, right? Love is kind of one of those words I've heard other people talk about, not specifically love, but other words in this sense, that maybe they're they're suitcase words. That really there's a whole lot packed into them, and so when you start to unpack them, it looks like compassion in one instance, and it looks like meekness in another instance. It looks like obedience in one instance, but you could pack it all into this concept of love, right? We love God, so it manifests itself in obedience and loyalty and compassion and love and all these other things. But it's kind of that suitcase concept, right? And so in verse 13, kind of one of these, one of these facets of love seems to be bearing with one another. Um, so that's what I want to talk to us about this morning, and I'm talking to myself just as much as anybody in this room. Um, but I think these are just some opening thoughts to kind of help us foundationally put a place for bearing with in our lives. If we have been raised with Christ and we claim to be loving God 
as we learned in Mark 12 today, with everything that we have. And we love people with everything that we have. The bearing with one another is one of those facets of that love that we have to kind of unpack in our life and figure out how to put in place. Um, so with that said, um, we're going to be focusing on bearing with one another this morning. Um, I'm not one for Greek, but I looked it up just to make sure like the concept holds true in the English translation. I'm not getting any weird nuances of the word that maybe aren't actually there. From what I understand, the word in Greek uh, means to hold up or against, and typically implies in the context that that word would be used that there is a pressure or weight. So you're holding up or against some sort of pressure or weight. Um, so I think that's pretty true to what we might consider bearing with one another, right? We're holding up or against some weight of someone, whether that is manifested in a personality trait or uh, ideological differences or whatever. You have to hold that up, right? And I think there's two senses of the Bible that conveys where we have to bear with one another. One if we term it generally, would be personality things, right? Non-sin issues, right? We might even say it that way. Things that aren't sin, but we see differently. We don't see eye to eye. We act or we function differently. I have to bear with you in that, and you have to bear with me in that. And then the Bible also talks about bearing with one another in the context of sinful situations. There is some bearing with that goes on even in those situations, And so I want to talk about both of those situations. And in both of those situations, I want to suggest three things um, or three understandings that can help us bear with other people in either of those situations. Um, So beginning with that, I want to begin with just non-sin type issues, right? You and me like different foods. We have different hobbies. I live a different way than you live. I value maybe some things in life that you don't value, or maybe I talk a different way than you talk. I come from another background than what you come from, right? Those are all things that we all are challenged with. I think there's three understandings that can help us bearing with one another. The first one I think is presented pretty well in Isaiah chapter 11. So if you want to turn there with me, Isaiah chapter 11. The first understanding that I think would help us in bearing with each other in these non-sin type things is that we have to understand that we're all different. And I think Isaiah chapter 11 illustrates this in kind of an interesting way. Um, Let's read verses 6 through 10. And certainly this is talking about this branch that we know to be Jesus. And his reign is depicted in chapter 11 in some very vivid imagery. But I think this imagery illustrates those who have put on Christ, as Colossians 3, I think, are illustrated in this. Those who are submitting themselves to the reign of this branch are depicted in different ways. Um, Look at verse 6. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. The young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. 
For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Okay, so I think most of us in this room would, having studied the Bible, we'd say, this branch, this root of Jesse, as we talked about, this son of David, we might even say that. It's got to be Jesus, right? And this is describing his reign is going to be one of peace, right? And certainly as we look through prophets, we see that this Messiah was always going to bring a bunch of different nations together. He's going to bring a lot of different people to come and be subject to his rule. Well, in this passage, he illustrates that by animals. One person that's going to be in his rule is going to be depicted as a bear. One person's an ox, another person's a leopard, one person's a lamb, one person's a young goat. I, I don't know exactly why God illustrated it this way. But I think one thing that we see in this imagery is like, that doesn't make sense, right? Why would, in verse 6, a wolf dwell with a lamb? Why would it happen? A wolf eats a lamb. And I think the picture of this passage is that a lot of contrary things, a lot of things that wouldn't typically dwell together because of the reign of the branch, are going to dwell together. They're going to overcome who they seem to be to graze and to lie with one another and to have harmony together. I think that's us, right? Like, I may be the wolf and you may be the lamb, and like, we're kind of different in that, right? But under the reign of Jesus, we're meant to lie down together. We're meant to graze with one another. We're meant to have harmony together. And Jesus' reign is always meant to bring, as this picture is, these really different people together, right? And so I think passages like this, even though they illustrate it in kind of big ways and really stark imagery, helps us understand that even God recognized people that come to Jesus don't look the same. Some of us look like lambs, some of us look like wolves, but they're still meant to be together. Right? So I think passages like this help us understand that we're different and God recognizes that. Um, he even planned for that to be the case. All right, so one understanding is, even from God's perspective, we're different, and that's okay. God still expects us, as this passage says, he still expects for all of us to share this resting place. Right. All right, the second understanding I think is helpful for us is actually in 1 Corinthians. Um, I feel like this passage illustrates this point pretty well. If you want to turn to chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we'll read verses 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So, to me, this passage is identifying the Corinthians as a whole lot of different types of people. Right? The common thing that they have, the, the, the thing that they share with one another, 
is presented in verse 11. Such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified. Right? Just like Colossians chapter 3, if you then have been raised, we have a similar statement here. They all have been washed, sanctified, and it says uh, justified. All of them had. But you notice who they were before that? Isaiah chapter 11 says that we're all different, you know, and I think Isaiah 11 probably speaks on a lot of levels, maybe personalities. But I think this passage is specifically hitting on maybe our history. Our history is all different, right? The Corinthians, some of them, it says, were sexually immoral. Some of them were idolaters, right? Not all of them, but some of them were. Some of them were even adulterers. Some of them were even homosexual. Some of them had been thieves. Some of them had been greedy. Some had been drunkards. They all had different histories. Problematic histories, true, because they all recognized the need to be washed and sanctified and justified, had done that. But they all had different histories is the point. You know, that's one of those things that we just kind of have to recognize about each other. You know, we may be all in the same place now in the sense of we have then been raised with Christ, but the place that we're coming from is completely different maybe than the person next to us. Uh, That's an understanding that can be helpful when we're bearing with one another. We're different. As Isaiah 11 says, some of us are like bears and some of us are like lions and some of us are like goats. But that is true in our histories. You know, some of us are coming from different problems or different pasts than the person next to us. And that's going to mean maybe we function or think differently or we have different struggles or we have different strengths. It's not a right or wrong thing. It's just what it is. Um, And so we have to understand that to really learn to bear with one another. We're coming from different places. We can't assume that we're all the same, even in our histories. And the third understanding that I think if we really dwell on and think about and really come to understand can help us bearing with one another, generally speaking, is presented in Romans chapter 14. So we've talked about how kind of just generally God even sees us as different and just in general we're different. We've talked about specifically our histories are different. Romans chapter 14, I think, presents that even our opinions are different. Um, Romans chapter 14, if you want to turn there and read that with me, we'll read a couple verses. Romans chapter 14 and verses 1 through 4. All right, Romans chapter 14, 1 through 4. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes that he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. All right, now certainly in the greater context, throughout Romans you have this discussion for a while, you know, and you see it in 1 Corinthians as well, this discussion of, Uh, meat sacrifice idols, who can eat what, why can they eat it. And the conclusion of the whole matter is this. Idols are nothing, right? Uh, But because of the histories that are different among people that we've already addressed in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, some people have an opinion that hinders them if they were to eat of one thing or not to eat of another. And so the Lord reveals through Paul in this that, you know what, 
there may be somebody is a little weak in the faith. But you don't need to hinder them because of your opinion on that. And you, they don't need to hinder you because of their opinion on one thing. And in fact, Paul says, don't even quarrel over opinions, right? And I think for us bearing with one another, I think it's important for us to recognize what's an opinion. You know, and I'm not going to offer one sweeping answer that's going to solve all of our problems. But I mean, if we can ask ourselves, you know, what's an opinion? Then we can say, well, you know, if it's my opinion on something, um, certainly it needs to be considered if there's wisdom to be had in it, but I don't need to quarrel over my opinion. If we can recognize that, I think that will help us bear with one another to recognize, you know what, my opinion is not necessarily inherently better than someone else's opinion on something. Um, so if we can recognize at, on a general level we're all different, God sees us differently, even in his prophecies about his people living under Jesus' rule. He saw us being different. We can recognize we have different histories. And if we can recognize and understand that we have different opinions on things, that's just how it's going to be. I think those understandings help us foster um, a mentality of learning to bear with and be patient with one another. Now, certainly all that's dealing with things that are not sin, right? That's personality traits, that's histories, that's opinions. Now, frankly, those are some of the hardest things to bear with people on because we've chosen to mold ourselves in this way or that way. Or our histories and our families have molded us this way or that way. And we love those people. We love our families and friends and things like that. But there's also a sense in which we need to bear with one another in sin. If you want to turn to Galatians chapter 6, it's actually the context of when uh, Paul begins speaking of bearing with one another in these passages. We'll read verses 1 and 2. Brothers, again the assumption here is believers, Christians, if anyone is caught in any transgression we might say sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Okay, here. Um, Paul, just in these two verses, says that there's sometime there's going to be transgressions among brethren. There's going to be sins. You know, whether that's me directly against somebody or somebody directly against me, there's going to be some transgression there that needs to be born. It needs to be, that weight of transgression needs to be lifted up, right? The group is going to have to bear that. Another individual is going to have to help bear that load. I think practically speaking, we all kind of recognize that, right? Like, I mean, you can think of in your own life, times people have made mistakes, and how you've had to bear the weight of that mistake, right? I mean, you can just think in your life probably about a time or two that that's happened. Um, it wasn't your mistake, but you ended up bearing some weight of that. Well, really, as unfortunate and as frustrating as that can be, it seems as if God designed us to do that, right? That's really, it says, the fulfillment of the law of Christ, we might ask ourselves how and why and all these other things. And I think there's legitimate questions to be had there and answers to be sought. Um, but just from this text, that process of 
bearing with someone's burdens fulfills the law of Christ. Um, there's a couple thoughts on that. Um, I mean, certainly Jesus did this. We could turn to plenty of passages that we've been studying through Mark that Jesus bore with people. I mean, certainly patient as far as personality differences, understanding differences, I mean, overcoming people's histories and thoughts and opinions on things. Even his own disciples had opinions on things that Jesus said were wrong, but he was patient with them and taught them. We could go plenty of examples of that. Um, I mean, one example I think of maybe particularly dealing with sin that Jesus had to bear with somebody is Peter. Um, if you turn to Matthew chapter 16, I will, verses 21 through 28, Jesus says that he's going to go to the Jerusalem. And in verse 21, he says he's going to suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Peter takes him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But look at Jesus' response. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So there's almost kind of a parallel I'm seeing in this, like from Colossians chapter 3. Remember he said, if you have been raised with Christ, you're supposed to seek the things above. It seems like this is a moment where Peter's with Christ, but he's not seeking the things above. He's kind of searching out what he thinks and what men might think or expect. And that seems to be Jesus' confrontation with him. Get behind me, you're seeking the things of man. So it seems as if Peter's transgressed here. He's overstepped what was appropriate what was expected of him, right? And Jesus doesn't just throw up his hands and just, you know, if he wanted to, he could incinerate Peter right there and say, I'm done with Peter, guys. It's just me and the 11 now, right? Jesus had to bear with him in this moment. I mean, there was a weight. There was a transgression or a problem that Jesus kind of had to lift up in this moment and bear with. In fact, it says, get behind me, Satan, you're a hindrance to me. All right, that's the fact. Get behind me, Satan, you're hindering me. And it could just stop there, right? Sometimes we do a good job of pointing out the problem, and we just kind of leave it at that. Get behind me, you're causing a problem. right? But then Jesus goes on to say, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And then actually, this is the moment that Jesus springboards in the next paragraph. Then Jesus told his disciples, and this is when he delivers the, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Jesus really uses this moment to bear with Peter and teach, right? He teaches. He springboards into, Peter, this is what you need to hear. You're hindering me. You're setting your mind on things of man, not on God. And this is what people need to do to follow me, to reorient yourself on the things of God. These are the kinds of steps you need to take. So I think that's a model for us. Jesus did this, and I think that's one instance of how we see that this fulfills the law of Christ, because that's what Christ did. When people caused problems and hinder, tried to hinder and transgress in that way, Jesus said, all right, the fact is you've messed up here because you did this. You didn't set your mind on the thing of God, but this is what you need to do, right? I think that's an important model for us. Um, so... From that, I'm going to draw three understandings that when people transgress or when people sin, how we can bear with them. Three understandings. Back in Romans chapter 14, we'll look at our first one. 
Romans chapter 14. Just these three quick understandings I think can help us bear with one another in a practical way. Um, Certainly, we don't want to neglect Galatians 6. I, I want these understandings to help us fulfill Galatians 6, which is to restore such a one who transgresses, transgress, transgresses, there we go, in a spirit of gentleness. So that's certainly the spirit in which we need to be operating. We need to be fulfilling the law of Christ and bearing with. But I think these three understandings help us lay that foundation. The first one is in Romans 14 verse 15 is that we need to remember that Christ died for this person. Look at verse 15 of chapter 14. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. Now again, this is in the context of that conversation of eating things, sacrificed idols, not to eat it. Who has the right to exert authority one way over the other? And Jesus, again, is dealing with an opinion here, like, hey, if it's in your opinion, it's right to eat, which it is, but it's destroying your brother. Don't do that. Why? Because it says in verse 15, you're destroying the one for whom Christ died. If we can really come to that understanding with James or with Chuck or with other people in this room, if I can think about people in this room when they sin that way, it's going to help me take the time and the burden of bearing with them, right? So that's one understanding that helps us prepare and be willing to bear with somebody, even when they sin, is to remember that Christ died for them. The second thing is in Colossians chapter 3. It's actually in the same verse um, that we were reading earlier in verse 13. So if you want to turn to Colossians 3.13, we'll look there quickly. Colossians 3.13 reads, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Did you, did you know that like people have to bear with you as well? Um, the text seems to imply that, right? And in fact, makes the point that the Lord's having to bear with you, so you need to bear with other people, Right? Just as you've been forgiven, and really the Lord's doing the bearing there, you need to forgive. And so I think not only do we need to remember that Christ died for whoever it is who's sinning and we're trying to restore and we're trying to get the motivation to bear with them, remember that Christ died for them and remember that the Lord and others are having to bear with you just as well. Um, And the third thing here is in Galatians chapter 6, the other text we were looking at. But it's just after what we read. Galatians chapter 6. We'll actually look at verses 2 and 3, and then we've already hit on this a little bit. Bear one another's burdens and and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. It fulfills the law of Christ. We've mentioned that. So that's a good understanding to have. Hey, If nothing else, I'm fulfilling the law. I mean, that's such a bottom line thing, but it's true. God gives that as a motivation. You're fulfilling the law of Christ. But I think another thing that we see in this text is that we could very easily be in their position, right? Like the moment that we think, oh, I'm having to bear with everybody because I've got it together and I'm the spiritual one. Don't deceive yourself, right? 
You could very well be in their position at any moment. And so I think those are three understandings that even when someone's sinning or transgressing, and certainly the Lord teaches that in gentleness, we need to bear up the weight of their transgression with them and try to help restore them. These are three understandings that can motivate us to do that. Um, so that's, that's pretty much the lesson. Um, I'll just quickly recap. When it's just personality quirks and histories and things like that, we need to remember that we're all different. We all have different histories, we're coming from different places, and we all have different opinions, and that's okay. The Lord expected that and still expects us to, in a sense, be in the same resting place as Isaiah 11 talks about, in Jesus Christ. But then when sin is involved, we need to remember that Christ died for that person, that person that's transgressing and you're having to be patient with. Sometimes other people have to bear you up, The Lord has to do it all the time. And then lastly, it fulfills the law of Christ, and we need not to deceive ourselves that we couldn't be in their position. So hopefully the lesson's helpful for us. Like I said, we're going to struggle with this because we're people, and we have opinions, and we have histories, and we sin, and you sin. and I I mean, we're going to have a lot of exchanges. Like I said, I haven't really, I don't say this to say, like, I've been noticing everybody's, you know, not bearing with each other. But it happens, right? And, like, I can tell we're getting more comfortable with each other, and I thank God for that. You know, I think that's appropriate, and we're getting closer, and we're being more honest with each other. But with honesty and with closeness is going to come moments where we're going to get annoyed at each other. We're going to be frustrated because you don't think the way I think, and you don't talk the way I talk. You don't dress the way I dress. You don't have the same opinion as me, and sometimes you make mistakes and sin, and I have to deal with that. Well, God designed us not only to do that, but to succeed in doing it. He gave us the ability and the tools to actually make that a part of the law of Christ, that we do that. And so I'd encourage us all to try to put on these kind of mindsets that really encourage us and help us have the heart to bear with one another. Anyway, I appreciate everyone paying attention. Uh, Chuck has picked out a song for us to sing.